What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. What's up? What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. Um, this is another series um, in the episodes of Black in America. I have a, a good friend with me today, um, Jeff Phillips uh, from Reppin' DVC. Both went to DVC. Um, very bright man, very intellectual man. Um, you won't see him, but I mean, you might see him on Facebook or something when I, once I tag him and everything. But definitely, uh, my brother looks like J. Cole. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you got a lot. Um, but Jeff, uh, welcome, man. Glad to have you on, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you giving me the platform to speak. Um, this is big. This is this is a fruitful conversation. That's that's how I always like to start these conversations. It's just we're gonna speak life over it. We're gonna speak fruitfulness over these intentions and what we're trying to get out of this right here. Yeah, definitely, man. Because our voice has got to be out here, and it has to be from so many different platforms. Because so many times people want these entertainers and stuff to speak for us, but that's that's not always where it's at and only so many people are going to reach those many people so we need the the day-to-day folks and i believe we're all we are we're all superstars to some people some community oh, yeah. um and so definitely you you represent a, a group of community and people and all that stuff so share with people a little bit about your upbringing where you're from and just uh who who you feel who who you are yeah 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 so me I come from a household, so why I feel this plight so heavy is it's been my whole life, like mm-hmm. police raids on the house, all that, all, yeah. all the things that you can think of that I was hip to what is going on in America and how it was shaped long before anything. Like yeah. when I was at DVC, so a lot of people, and I'm gonna jump around just cause. Yes, I do. Do you think, man? You know what I'm saying? This is just this human conversation. This is how yeah. it's supposed to go down. But a lot of people, when like Oscar Grant, when all these Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, all these things were happening, and then when Cap finally took his kneel, they was like, "Oh, you just you just not sitting for the anthem because Cap told you not to sit for the anthem." Mm-hmm. But. I cognitively made that choice while we was at DVC. Yeah. Gap was still in Reno at that Mm -hmm. point. If you know his career, he was still in Reno trying to get to the NFL by the time I seen and going through Dr. Powell's class teaching me what it is to be black man in America and how that song don't represent us. So no, nobody else told me what to do and how to move in this. I made these choices for myself, studying my hit, the history of my people. But when I was coming up, I remember I was about like eight, nine years old, going to a liquor store. I come. My background is I was raised in Sunnyvale, California. Mm-hmm. It's, it is. It has diversity. It has. It has its. Right now, it looks like a very uh, wealthy town because the tech boom happened. Yeah, I was living Homestead Park apartments when it was low income housing, mm-hmm. when it wasn't what it is today so my dad picked me up and there's train tracks everywhere got train tracks you can come to Antioch where I'm at right now and be on one side and this dates back to Antioch's prehistory and then go to the other side and it's like it's a completely different world Mm -hmm. so we go to the liquor store and I'm like 
I'm fresh off of, you know, the, 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 what they teach you in school. Hell yeah, American flag, American flag, America, America. So I'm like, dad, let's get that American flag. And, and he like, the American flag, what would I want that for? What, the, what, what, what have they done to me? Like, what have they shown me about how I'm included Man. in that? I'm coming off being institutionalized. I had to, there was a point in my life where I really did not like my father. I really had hate for my father. Yeah. But then when I got cognitive of what it is to be black in America, I realized he grew up in East Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. At the point when he was growing up, that was the murder capital of the, the whole country. Yeah. He had to navigate through those things to survive. He had to navigate through redlining. I had to get hip to those type of terms mm-hmm. and why he was shaped the way he was. So when he told me that, it made me think differently, like, yeah, where, where do we fit in this? Because, yeah, they teaching us all this, like, oh, yeah, you're a part of this. You're a part of this. But then at the same time, I'm going to go visit my dad. And he's beaten to the point where his face is still swollen. I'm seeing him. You can't, you can't, when you go and visit, when we would go and visit, we would have to go visit on a weekend. Because mm-hmm. my mom had to get off of work. I had to not be in school. So the case that happened and that what happened with him happened during the week. His face still swollen. Yeah. His ear, he's showing me his ear. And you could still see the line because his ear got almost pulled off from being beat. And what they did was, in his case, yes, he he ran. He was, he of course, he he had steps that he did, right? Yeah. But they then took it upon themselves instead of just being an arresting officer, you finally catch your perpetrator, you arrest them, you put them in the back of the car, you go ahead and let justice be served. They decided to pull him to a house where the front door, by the front door, break the porch light and start beating him. Wow. And and beat him to the point where he could not take his intake picture for a while because the swelling was so bad that if you would have took the picture, it would have been, you just caught yourself red handed. Yeah. And I go to court and I'm listening and it's pretty much proven that what they're saying and how they're trying to articulate what he did to be justified, to be beaten to that manner is not true. Mm-hmm. And then they throw him a bone. The bone they throw him is you just get a lesser sentence. Instead of putting you in jail for life for going ahead and assaulting an officer, we'll we'll give you less sentence and then we'll we'll call that a day. We'll call it good. We'll call we'll call that breaking amends. But them officers was right back on the street. Yeah. Right after that. And that's that's the plight that we live with. Though that's why people they don't understand that. So from how, there how old how old were you when that when that happened? I had to be about like 10 or so because i remember the courthouse i used to love doing uh crossword puzzles and stuff like that and 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 that's what i remember i remember about that day doing a crossword puzzle and going into the courthouse and just sitting there listening and taking it all in and seeing my dad and and he he's still trying to keep face for me because he see me there and he like, he trying to like, he got the chains on and everything in the orange jumpsuit, like trying to be like that. And I'm listening and I'm asking my mom questions because I went to 
visit him before all this happened. So yeah. we already had kind of discussed the merits of the case and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I had to be about like 10 years old or so. And I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, so you telling me they've proven it that, and this is off of the conversation a couple years back where he talking about what, yeah, has America, where, where, where do I fit in, in America? Mm-hmm. And now I'm being, and now I'm being shown that. So yeah. when, by the time, so by the time we came up at DVC and I finally lost football due to injury, mm-hmm. I had to figure out who am I? What am I? Like, where do I fit in this? Because for so long, my identity was football. I was a football yeah. player. I was a football player. That's, that's pretty much all I was. I, I didn't, I, I thought about myself being black, of course, but my whole presence was I'm a football player. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this for a scholarship. Mm-hmm. When I lost football, I had to figure out what foundations of a man do I sit on? Where where do I fit in this whole entire scheme? And it went back to, I thought back to what have what what has my upbringing telling me where I've, I've been at? What, what did my upbringing tell me where do I fit in here? And that's yeah. when I joined the Pan-African Union. That's when I got blessed with being in company with people like you, people like Queen Deja, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's when I got to have that ability to have those conversations where it was like, let me get some understanding. Got definitely blessed to get into Dr. Powell's class for real. Shout out to shout out to Matthew. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Because I had no idea from that perspective what it was. I always knew my dad got beat by the police. I always yeah. knew racism was around me. I, I knew that when I was shit, that had to be like six, seven years old going to a, a county fair. I'm look, I'm trying to see the pig, the pig doing the tricks. I'm like, oh <laughs> damn, look at this, the pig climbing up the thing. The man got the little little snacks, the pig standing, doing all this crazy stuff. I'm trying to see the pig, I'm trying to see the pig. And I look over to the right, cause there's a grown white woman to the right of me. And she looks down with disgust. I can see the disgust on her face and clenches her purse. And I'm like, I'm just trying to inch past you so I can see the pig. I didn't really understand the relevance of it until I got old enough to think back what that look was because I've seen it so many times at that point in my life. But that's where I came from. And so I'm like, when I got old enough, I had to make that decision for myself to go ahead and and dive into our history, dive into what what is the foundation I need to stand on being a black man here in America? Yeah, so you you got to see the because they always talk about this American dream, which I I believe is bullshit. So it's the it's the dream versus the reality, and especially when when you're a black person, a minority, um, in in that, and it's 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 crazy because it's still rhetoric that's used today. Like, oh, I'm here for the American dream. And and what what does that say to you, the American dream versus the reality? Because you got introduced to it early. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the American dream is 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 just that. It's just a dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I try to touch it, I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna wake <laughs> up to my reality. I try to touch that American dream. I'm like I'm dreaming. I'm like oh yeah. I got the white picket fence. People treating me equal. I get justice when shit happens. And then I wake up. Yeah. And it's completely different. Coming from a real estate perspective, I go ahead and look at it like we had that American dream. 
Because people see, people always want to talk about, whoa, why the black community not doing for themselves? Why the black community, the black on black crime, all these things. And I tell you, what about Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1920? Mm. What about that when there was black millionaires? Let's, let's really break down generational wealth and where it comes from. Yeah, It comes from real estate. It comes from having something to pass down to someone else, having right. a blueprint to go ahead and pass on to others as well to go ahead and replicate. That's where it come from. And we had that. We did. We, we took y'all. Okay. Y'all want to make us slaves. All right. Now we free. Okay. Now let's go. We went and made our own. We didn't have, we didn't ask y'all for nothing. Y'all always want to talk about hand out, hand out this, hand out that. We didn't ask y'all for nothing. We built this from scratch, from the jump, built it all up. Time value of money tells me a couple of millionaires in 1921 would have passed that down and made a blueprint that the black community don't look nothing like it is today. Yeah. That's what that tells me. But you want to talk to me about, oh, this is what the black, there's a, a book in high school, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. When I read it, I was like, damn, this right here could be, this, this is so symbolic of the black community. We didn't ask to be in this position that we yeah. are right now. We didn't, when, when Frankenstein, because everybody believed Frankenstein is the monster. Frankenstein, not the monster. Frankenstein mm -hmm. is the scientist. Yeah. The monster was only called the monster through the whole entire book. He wasn't called Frankenstein. He called a monster. The monster then gets made, and all the monster wants to do is be accepted. Mm -hmm. That's all the monster wants to do. I didn't ask to be created. This man took parts, took this, took that did this, created me, and now all, all I ask him for is to figure out where I fit in this whole entire thing. And then you want to run from it. You want to tell you, you, Frankenstein go all the way up into, in the book, like to the, uh, to the north, uh, basically all the way up to the snow, to like the, like Antarctica type yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And Frank, and the monster follow him all the way there. Cause he like, you built me and now I'm upset, but you running from what you did. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where we at right now. When black businesses tried to get loans, redlining stopped us from getting those. Yeah. You stopped us in deliberately from creating generational wealth. Mm -hmm. You stopped that. You went in there with 10,000 strong and destroyed a community that was just doing for themselves Black and creating success. You deliberately did that, but you want to talk to me about 20, you, for them, they be acting like it started in 2015. Yeah. They, they're like, oh, well, you know, racism was so long ago and, and we're talking about it. I'm not talking about 2015 to 2020. I'm talking about 1920 to 2020. And what has created where we are now you can't tell me i'm called i'm i'm doing a victim mentality and and, and playing the race card i've been a victim yeah. that's the truth you can't deny that you're not gonna go to a rape victim and say stop playing the victim card mm. they were actually raped that is not okay that you don't say that to them 
Mm-hmm. Black people have been victims of this system for far too long. And until we can have that discussion, we're not going to get anywhere. Like Malcolm say, you stick that knife in my back nine inches, you pull it out six, that's not progress. You yeah. take it all the way out. That's not progress. You heal those wounds, that's when we can talk about progress at that yeah. point. Yeah, no, it's 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 wild in the sense of how how detached people can still be in in this world, in this life, and and it's just it's it's wild. It's like I was I've been posting this week and I think even last week about just the civil rights movement and everything in just fifty seven years ago. Like water hoses, dogs and all that stuff, and it's like y'all crazy and then we and then we look at we can just look at twenty twenty. Look at when the white folks was out there with their assault rifles and everything talking about, I want to go back outside and go get my hair cut and eat at a restaurant. They can walk up there. No tear gas, no dogs, no brutality. We can come out there peaceful and tear gas and everything is there. Exactly. Exact. Exactly. Because I have so many. See me, I'm at, I'm at a point in this fight where I'm like, I don't tell people to do that. I, th- there was a message that I put out there. It was like, if you want to ask me a question about like how we can fix this, cool. I'm willing to have the conversation, but don't expect every black. I don't speak for every black person. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna ever say that. There, mm-hmm. I'm. There, that's why people always try to say like, oh, you came up from uh, abusive household and alcoholism and drugs and being in jail and. I should have been a statistic. Yes, correct. Yeah. You you are correct. Everything was lined up against me, and I didn't go those paths. But I don't look at myself as better than my next brother. Mm-hmm. And I had I had support that they may not have, and that's what y'all not seeing. I'm one loving mother and one loving grandmother away from the penitentiary or the or being dead. Yeah. I know that. I know that for sure. But not everybody has that. And so you can't say, oh, because you beat the odds that Mm -hmm. you're better. I'm not better than that next man. I'm not better. No, I empathize with him because he or she may not have had something that I had in my life that could have helped them and that we should have for them. But you coming over here talking about the protesters, they – they 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 were peaceful. They were out yeah, they were out there with their guns, but they were peaceful. No, they were met with peace. Mm-hmm. So they were allowed to stay peaceful. That's what I be trying to tell the people. This don't this is not just starting this year. Martin Luther King, y'all love to bring him up, was peaceful, was met with violence. When we go out there and get peaceful. We get met with violence. And that's what I try to tell people because I'm having these conversations all the time. I'm cool with going back and forth with this. At this point, it don't get me emotional because I know my facts don't speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I know I studied history, not his story. I know I studied that. So Mm -hmm. I don't get all in the emotions that you're getting in. So when you telling me, I'm trying to tell you, look, black people coming off of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and get right into George Floyd. We go right into those. We didn't even get to heal from no news story. But then also, we also carry the weight 
Oscar Grant all the way back to Emmett Till, all the way back to Slave Catchers. We carry yeah. all that when we're going out there, and yet we still try to go out there with a mindset of like, look, we're going to speak our shit, we're going to talk, but we're going to make sure that we're going to try to stay peaceful. And then an officer walks by you and pushes you as they're going by it and said, move out the way, bitch. At some point, you're going to be like, yeah. bro, yeah. enough is enough. If I got to die today, I got to die today. But I'm, I'm not going to take this. I'm yeah, not no. going to take this. And they push it to the point of being riots and then try to say, look at them. Look at them. Look at them. But why did you not meet me with the same piece that the AR-15 holding white people got? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. That's the difference between that American dream and that American reality. The See, American yeah. dream is I go out there, I protest my injustice, and I get met with peace. You yeah. may be there holding the capital lines or whatever you want to say. you there, but you're listening. You're not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. The American reality is I go and do that same thing and I'm tear gassed and I'm, 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 I'm not the agitator. Y'all the agitator. And then you allow the media to tell people that we were the agitators and that look at, look at what they've done. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's, it's crazy it's because it makes me think of like this, this interaction I had one time with a, uh, with a friend, a white guy and we were crossing a bridge, I think going to San Francisco or something. And like, I forget who was driving. And I was like, I think I was driving in and like the guy, like at the, the toll booth was like a black guy was like a brother. So like, like I head nodded and like, so the white dude like looked and he like asked, he was like, he's like, he was just looking. Cause I could tell he was like interested in like what that was. And I was like, I was like, y'all don't have like no, no like connection thing like that. And he, but he was insightful and he was like, he was like, He's like, no, he's like, we don't have a connective struggle mm -hmm. to connect with. So we we are just ourselves. And when you're in a world that is built for you, you can just be you. And and that's the difference that they don't understand yep. is is this world is built for you. You're you're on everything TV, you're all the movies. The only place you don't dominate is the sports. Mm -hmm. and 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 but you love but you love the sports you you love to to root and everything but you can still hate and you still have vitriol like we've had we've heard of so many exchanges about fans and black athletes we don't because we don't hear that about white athletes and fans yeah we, 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 we don't hear that but then similar to us you talk about us rioting and and all of this stuff which i'm going as rebellion but then you win a national championship or a Super Bowl or something, you're in the streets tearing shit up, and it's fine. And no tear gas, no, like, nothing. Um, and so it, it goes back to show you can be whatever the hell you want to be and just walk in this world because it's built for you. Again, going back to the, the, the dream versus reality, and, um, God, I'm, I'm blanking on the mind of the artist who said it. It's either Logic or Lupe Fiasco. I can't remember, but he was saying, no. Childish Gambino said it, where like, you know, a white kid gets to wear whatever hat he wants, and then like the black kid just wears whatever hat in a sense, like one hat fits all. Mm -hmm. It's like the one size fits all, but like the black kid gets to, the white kid gets to go to uh, lids and it's like, oh, all these hats, like I can pick from all of these and be whatever and do whatever. Like the black kid goes in there, it's like, nah, it's just this one, one hat fits all. Like this is the only one you get to select from. 
exactly exactly because it's 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 our reality it it, it goes back to like i wear a hoodie i'm perceived as threat you wear a hoodie you cold you cold yeah you cold i mean i go back so one of my only interactions right now when i'm driving through antioch i try to take the most tucked roads and that that right there is something that black people share that people don't really talk about how we try to y'all don't understand y'all y'all be like oh let me just take the most uh one that's gonna get me there the fastest black people like i ain't really trying to go there i i do want to get there fast but i want to get there alive as well so let me take some tucked roads that's one thing they also go into. Like, that's a whole different dynamic. But I mean, even if you parallel that to history, that's the Underground Railroad. Right? We we could have we walked straight out to peace. We could have walked straight out to freedom. But no, we had to take the undergrounds. We had to take the, the back roads to it. So yeah. I'm coming home. I'm coming home from, I worked at Sports Chalet back, back in the day. Um, and it was a cold January night. Hella cold. My car's old. The heater don't really kick like that. So I got, the only hoodie I got is a black hoodie. And I'm like, forget it. I'm putting it on. I'm cold. In Sports Chalet, they ran the, the AC like it was nothing. So I'm cold in, in work. I get off of work. I'm cold. And I'm going home. And I have a black hoodie on. And yes, because my car was so old, I didn't know I had on the high beams. Because they mm-hmm. look like regular lights because how bad my car lights were. Yeah. Asia will tell you, she'll tell you about the time when we got caught in the rain going from the freeway and my windshield wipers got caught on each other. Oh. Literally, I'm looking at the road because when you look at the road through a phone, they it don't see the raindrops. So yeah. that's how bad my car was, right? So I'm driving home. I got on my hoodie. And yes, I did have on my high beams. But there wasn't nothing in my car. There was no reason to perceive me as a threat. I get woo woo blurt. I pull over. First thing I do, mom, I'm getting pulled over. I'm in the Walmart parking lot. I just want to let you know, just in case anything happened. And and I put my phone down, tuck it off, get my license registration ready. I already know. I already know the jump. And I'm I'm trying to you know what I'm saying keep myself breathing, keep myself calm and collective. And I see the cop walking up through my my mirror. Something about his energy's off. It's just mm-hmm. it's a little finicky. And he looked young. He looked he look as young as me. And he already done flipped his gun flat. He already flipped it, got his yeah. hand on his gun, walking up. And he like, license registration. I'm like, here you go. He like, so what you doing out? I'm like, to be honest, I'm just going home from working. Like, here, here's Sports Chalet. Here's my red shirt. Here's my Sports Chalet badge. Like, I'm coming home from work. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, you know, there's been some suspicious things happening around here. I'm like, okay. And he like, he like, so can I, I I'm going to, can I search the car? And me, I know my rights. I know you can't just search my car. Yeah. You can't just search my car. There's no reason. I don't got no marijuana smell for you to say that. I'm literally coming home from work. I have not done nothing. There's nothing that you can say you need to search my car for at all. So I know this is an unjust search. Yeah. But at the same time, this was when we was in the Pan-African Union, right? So I know what's in my trunk, a whole bunch of black bags for the food for the homeless. <laughs> so what I said, 
So what I said, I said, look, in my mind, I know I need to control this situation yeah. because this man been finicky this whole time. You could tell on his breathing. Mm-hmm. You could tell when he was speaking. It was just, so uh, it, it was off. So I said, okay, you can search my car. Go ahead, right? Go off. He searches it. He's finding nothing. You know, when they search, they got to call the rest of them for backup to get me on the side, be kicking it with me. They got to get the head person there. Every The whole shebang got to go down. So they searching my car, searching my car. They're going through the glove compartment, under the seats, blah, blah, blah. I'm kicking it. I'm cooling. Because I know, I'm like, when you get to the trunk, you're going to think you hit gold. You're going to think like, oh, these black bags. Oh, this must be dope. This must be guns. This must be, ooh, this, this is it. This is it. Yeah. This is my big shot to say, ooh, look what I did. And he's searching it, searching it. I'm chopping it up with the officer next to me. He talking about, oh, yeah, I went to Antioch. I'm like, oh, I went to Deer Valley. Oh, I played football. Oh, I did too. And then we chopping it up. Bro, get to the trunk. So I get quiet. He, he look at the trunk and he, he smiled. He like, right? Because all you can see is black bags. You can't see nothing. We had it all bagged up. Yeah. He can't see nothing. He like black bag. He said, so what is this? Ooh, ooh. And then I was like, I was like, you can go through it. I was like, but to be honest, it's food for the homeless because I'm the Pan-African Union president over here at DVC and we just did a canned food drive and he go through it. They literally go through the whole entire bag. And I'm sitting there like, you perceive me as a threat because my black hoodie and because my black skin and your ass done look dumb at this point because mm-hmm. now you going through bags of food for the homeless. But you thought you struck gold. Yeah. That in his face when he seen them black bags, cause it was like, ooh, we, we, did a, we did a good job. The community came together. We had like three or so, two or three bags of food. And it was mm-hmm. all in black bags. We was giving it out. We was going to give it out. And that man opened it. He said, so what's this? Shit, you go through it for yourself. <laughs> go ahead. You go ahead and tell me what it is. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to sit back. You go ahead and pull out that Chef Boyardee. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You, you go ahead and pull it out. Oh, let me tell you, it's food for the homeless, my guy. Mm-hmm. But you don't even perceive that I could yeah. be that. You don't but, not, even, but not even that, though. Like, even the notion once you get that information, you think, nah, this still got to be a lie. There, there's something under this. Still got to be a lie. My, my work T-shirt saying food for the homeless is all a cover to hide all of this stuff. There's some dope. There's pounds of Coke under this. You know, yeah. there's none. There's this. Ahmad Arbery, I, I bring it back to that. Like, as a real estate agent, as somebody in real estate, my goal is my why. People ask me my why. My goal is to use real estate. When I, w- when I was coming up, I wanted to be a sports agent. Mm-hmm. They would ask me, who's your why? My why was I wanted to change the dynamics of African-American athletes going broke. That was my why. But I realized when I was trying to get into sports agency that there's so much red tape and there's so much to unpack that if you come as a black sports agent to a black athlete, a lot of times they perceive you as trying to get over and stuff like that, where they'll just be like, it's cool and cookies with this white agent. So I'm going to go sign with him. So I was like, all right, that's not really my route. I want to go because it's not just black athletes that I want to do this for. So my why getting into real estate was because I want to change the dynamics of our community, Mm -hmm. what we want to do. And so when I looked at Ahmaud Arbery 
walking into a, a shell of a house, which we call in real estate new builds. I, I, my perception is I'm looking at you from my lens. I would walk in there because that's dreams. That's yeah. goals. That's, I want to build rental income for myself. I mm-hmm. want to build low income housing. I want to build those things. So when you go in there and you looking around, it's like, wow, this is what it takes. This is what the shell of a house looks like. And then at the end, it looks so beautiful. And to be able to give it to somebody and to be able to get them their dream of owning a house, that's such a beautiful and a, and a powerful experience. But we don't even, excuse me, get to, per, get to be perceived yeah. with those dreams. As a real estate investor, mm-hmm. I'm gonna one day have to walk into a shell of a house and be like, how is everything going? And yeah. check up on my new builds and stuff like that. But when I walk outside, somebody could easily just like that. And that's why that one hurt so much because it yeah. was like, that's me. That's mm-hmm. me. That's why as a real estate agent, we could do these things called door knocking and driving for dollars. Them thing, regular agents, and I was just explaining this to an agent who he genuinely was like, what did the Walnut Creek riots mean for you personally and professionally? So I knew that his his following is probably a lot of white individuals who were just yeah. saying group thinking. So I wanted to make sure that I put my sense in there at coming from the agency side too. And I was like, when I go driving for dollars and when I go door knocking, you got to get over the fact like you're going to hear no. Someone may like curse you out. You know what I'm saying? You got to get over those things. And I'm like, that's all y'all got to think about. As black agents, we got a whole nother level. I got to get over the fear that somebody may run up on me and say, mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be in this neighborhood. I don't even go out to Walnut Creek and, and Pleasant Hill without my license. Because mm-hmm. it, to me, it's not worth trying to explain without something there to physically say, this is the state of California that says Jeff is a real estate agent. Yeah. It's not even worth that. Because y'all not going to give me the benefit of the doubt that, oh, this, this dude is a real agent. Y'all not going to give me that. So when I got to go driving for dollars and I got to go door knocking, there's a whole other mental layer that I got to unpack, especially in Walnut Creek. Because yeah. let's talk about the police interaction I had in Walnut Creek. Man. Go for it, man. I'm my mom's birthday, right? She loved, I think it's called Sprinkles. It's out. It's a cupcake little spot out mm-hmm. on the creek. So I'm like, cool. I'm going to surprise her, getting her some sprinkled cupcakes, drive it and, and bring it over to her. At DVC, I didn't have a car. So my roommate did. So I was like, hey, brother, can you take me over to uh, Sprinkles real quick? I tricked mom. I'm like, hey, somebody... They, they wanted to try sprinkles, but I wanted to see what kind of uh, uh, one to suggest to them. What what would you suggest? And she was like, oh, these are my favorites. So I'm like, cool, got the favorites. <laughs> I'm bouncing over. I'm like, let's do this. It's me and my boy, Miles. Miles is a black man. He, that, he driving his car. We in a black Nissan. The window's tinted, but we know we got to survive, right? So roll them windows down. <laughs> Roll them windows down because, yeah, you may see uh, a white person out on Walnut Creek with tinted windows, 
But you being a black man in Walnut Creek with tinted windows, you're going to get looked at a little different. Mm -hmm. So we get to Sprinkles, I order the cupcakes. We driving back. We feeling like, yeah, we made it through. Because there's always just that subconscious like, fuck, I know where I'm at. Like, I know what it is. Let's, let's just let's just try to get home. Like, let's just let's hope. So we, we making it down the road. There's a car in front of us. The light turns green. There's an officer on the street. He's walking the street. And I see him double, double take. He looks at us. He looks at us again. We're about to take off. Like we're literally, he lightly, luckily, lightly pressed on the gas because that officer come running over, put his hand on his gun, put stop us in front of the, in, in, right in middle of the traffic, in middle of traffic. He ran across the street. There was, we're going this way. So there's cars coming this way. Yeah. He ran through that, put his own life in danger and stopped us, right? Comes around like, what do, so what are y'all guys doing out here? License and registration. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Luckily, I had the sprinkles right there on my lap. So I'm like, well, it's Mom Duke's birthday. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get these uh, these uh, cupcakes to her. You know, here they are right here. And he like, okay, took license registration. And he was, and his, his, his reason for pulling us over was, oh, well, Miles or my boy, why you don't have a license plate in the front? And we like, well, I mean, it's a fairly new car. I haven't got it yet. So there's nothing I can really do about that. And he like, well, you know, once he pretty much seen he was wrong, he like, the first thing he said, oh, you guys play basketball? Doug, brother, my guy is a defense lineman. This man was like 280 at the time, built like that. And there's no way this man played basketball like that. Like, no, we, and we had to be, you know, we had, we still got to be in survival mode. So we don't yeah, want yeah, to can't, can't laugh. No, we play football. Oh, you guys going to the basketball game? What? We just, we just trying to go home right now. Like, but the thing is when I went home, when we were driving home, cause we still, after that interaction, still got to go through Walnut Creek that main street on North main street or whatever it is, there's so many car dealerships. Mm -hmm. So there's car after car after car with no license plate. Why did you put your life in danger, put our life in danger because somebody could have ran up on behind us and hit us all for that. But then if you probably ask that man, is he racist? He'll tell you no. No. Like, oh, he would. The blueness of those uniforms allow you to cover your races because then you can say, Oh, doing policy, like trying to make sure the neighborhood's safe. Like, bro, like get get the fuck out of here as get I see a cop car drive past my window. It's it's your subconscious nature. Yeah. I got another that, that stuff is there. Like the thing is, just like you touched about earlier, like people always say, Oh, generational wealth. Generational wealth is a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Is the same thing as generational racism. It's, it's passed along. Racism in this country goes hand in hand with capitalism, which goes hand in hand with property, like you said. It's, it's all tied together. It's all so intricately together that, like that, that there's that meme that always goes around. We try to we try to protest racism. Y'all think we protest in America? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't se- you can't y'all can't even go ahead and, and separate the two. Y'all can't do that. You you guys literally can't fathom the like when people say like all lives matter, all that. That's a protest to a protest. I know you're not genuine. Yeah. I know you're not genuine, my guy. Like the Black Panthers, right? People love to discredit them. They love to discredit them, right? But they stood, that was the real All Lives Matter movement. That's a real All Lives Matter movement because it was about action for them. It wasn't about no words. So when Brown Lives said, hey, this is our plight, this is our struggle, they said, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to see how I can fight with you. When at the time, of course, they were using terms that would be different, but they would say, yellow, I'm I'm yellow. I'm a yellow man. Mm -hmm. So I have a yellow plight. I go through this fight. They would say, okay, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to listen to your plight and what you go through in this world. I'm going to sit back. It's not my oppression versus your oppression. Yeah. It's, let's let's go ahead and combat oppression. See, and, and, that, and that's the thing that so many people don't understand. Sorry to cut you off. No, no. Um, I was having this conversation with somebody, and I was saying, for some reason, the thing that this country doesn't get and this is like everybody, like everybody, no matter what color you identify with, gender, all of that stuff. If the black culture is accepted and get to thrive, everybody eats. That's the thing. Everybody will eat because one, unless unless America is really who it potentially, I believe it is, they would find a new scapegoat. But once we get good, I mean, everybody, everybody eats. That's what I tell people all the time. Name for me a black movement in America that has only benefited black people. Name for me one. Civil rights. Everybody got civil rights after that. You can't discriminate in the workplace no more. Voting rights. Women got it right after that. You cannot tell me there has been one movement and you can't tell me there's been one movement where black people have been like, I'm only, this is only for black people. Yeah. At the same time, we've always been allies to someone else's fight because we know how it feels to fight. The Panthers, people need to go back and research the Panthers. Disclaimer. You need to ask people that have studied the Panthers because there's a lot of FBI rhetoric out there that is going to discredit and is going to make you question, is this real? Like, is this, is this what they really stood for? And it's going to be like, kill the pigs. All white people are bad. But if you read Bobby Seale sees the time, you will see from the mouth of Huey P and Bobby Seale that they did not have a problem with anybody, race, none of that, as long as you were willing to fight for the people. Yeah. The people. There ain't no color when you say the people. Power to the people. All power to all the people. That means everybody. They was willing to fight. I'm going to play a Fred Hampton real quick. It's just... It's only a couple minutes. Yeah, no, it's, all, it's all good. Yeah, I can't. Let me know if you can hear it. But I posted this on my Facebook just yesterday because um, everybody's blacking out. Everybody's blacking out. And I'm like, I appreciate the solidarity, but 
to be real, this ain't a time for blackout. This is a time for education. This is a time for like yeah. making sure that voices are heard. But I appreciate the solidarity. I appreciate it. But I, like we talked about in the beginning, you got to prove after this fact, after yeah. this black picture, I need you to start doing things mm -hmm. and making sure that you show it. But let me try to uh, let me try to pull it up real quick. So, I don't know, through this recording, people yeah. may not have been able to hear everything that was said, but that is a YouTube clip of Fred Hampton's speech that you can definitely go look back at. But what I want to spearhead that people may not have heard was how easy off this man's tongue that the pe people will tell you the Black Panthers were all about hate, how easily he said white power to white people, brown power to brown people, yellow power to yellow people, black power to black people, X power to those that we left out. But asking all lives matter to say black lives matter. Yeah, they won't. You got, you got concrete on your tongue if we ask you to say black lives matter. But you gonna tell me that you really trying to speak for all lives matter? but you can't even say it where this man that is a Panther that was assassinated. Read, read up people that's going to look at this read up about Fred Hampton mm -hmm. that was murdered and assassinated. How easily it rolled off his tongue that your people should have power. Yeah. And that's back in the day. That's before editing and all that stuff. So exactly as the true mm -hmm. clip and there's clips and clips and clips. There's books of it. Yeah. Books. That's the problem in America. And people always want to talk about what's the solution? What's the solution? What's the, I got some, I, they always like, oh, y'all talking about this, this, and this, but y'all ain't got no solution. I got some solutions. If you old enough to learn about American history spelled with three Ks, you old enough to learn about black history. Yeah. And I'm talking about the realness of it. I'm talking about all of it. Because when we can be exposed to other people, when we can be exposed to other people's history, we will create a more empathized, open-minded society. That's why now at this point, I don't, if someone, if someone tries to tell me, I've had multiple, multiple, the, the dude was like, well, y'all don't ride for us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I always listen to someone else talking about their oppressed. I just had a back and forth conversation with a, a Sikh brother in my in my in my Instagram because he was posting up how he was like my people still also deal with oppression blah 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 he wasn't saying it in no disingenuous way he was just talking about like his plight right now so I was like let me learn more yeah. I don't speak when someone else tells me about their oppression I sit back and listen yeah just listen open my ears up because 
it's like I said, it's not my oppression versus your oppression. Yeah, no, 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 we are, we shouldn't, we're not up here to battle who's been the most oppressed. Like, that's what we're not trying to battle. Like, that's why you see, and you see the influence, and it's, and it's so crazy how, because the world knows, and you can tell by the world now, the world knows black culture is the culture. Like, I don't care what nobody say. You see them, they are hockeying in in New Zealand. They're mm -hmm. protesting in Paris. It's everywhere. K-pop, the K-pop industry took over all lies, like white lives matter and got K-pop stuff in white life matter hashtag. Yep. I did, my partner just sent me that this morning. I was like, K-pop is up here doing the battles. So it's it's different. All of this stuff is different, but you see the global influence that's there. And but it's like but you 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 still ignore it one because you get the the ignorance of North America believing it's the best thing ever still um and then you don't understand the sense of me saying I love me saying me take it as simple as this me saying I love myself isn't discrediting you say you love yourself now white now in the sense white power in this country has a different agenda that's a that's a completely different agenda but when i say i love myself that has nothing with you to say against yourself that you love yourself that means you need to figure out what's wrong with you if you can't say you love yourself and you can't understand why i love myself if you can't say i love myself without it meaning that you love someone less that's a you problem that is a huge that is problem. A huge problem because historically in America, white power has meant oppression of others yeah. who are not white. And are not even that deaf. Deaf, exactly. Death. You you will be exterminated. And that's what it is, is that they cannot hear it through another lens because the dogmas that they have never ever decided to put the mirror up to has told them that if I say I love myself, it must mean that I hate that other person. Yeah. Because the dogma in America's society, spelled with three Ks, is white power means that you are inferior to me. Mm -hmm. So when they hear Black Lives Matter, when they hear Black Power, they hear you're uh, you who is not black is inferior yeah i didn't teach you that mm -hmm. so you can't pass that on to me you can't put that on to me i didn't teach you that you need to go confront that with the white american spell with 3k dogma that instituted that and ingrained that into your brain you need to go combat that with them but that's not what i'm saying yeah. No movement in black history has ever said black lives matter and nobody else does. Because exactly. we have allowed everybody. The Black Panther Party would go into other communities, including white communities, and show them how to put together organizations to combat oppression in this country because so when they talking about rioting and looting and stuff like that and they associate it with only a george floyd or an oscar grant 
or a black pipe, you're trying to stick a circle peg into a square hole. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, that is an economic problem. Yeah. That is rich, the haves and the have not question. And that's why the Panthers were so powerful. Because what they wanted to, we can't even get to that conversation because y'all won't even acknowledge, because you want to say, I don't see color. You won't even acknowledge that there's a race problem. So then once we deliver at the blow to the race problem, we can then get into yeah. the real economic problems of haves and have nots. You trying to tell me that rioting and looting is only a peg of black this black plight. Yes, there is fire and there is anger that black people feel, but that's why past the past the people that are just, you know what I'm saying, the anarchists that are just trying to do for no reason, yeah. there are poor communities in every community that are dealing with problems. I always take it back to the crab in the barrel. Mm-hmm. You ask anybody to tell you the crab in the barrel, they're going to tell you it only from this lens. The crab is in the barrel. The other crab tries to get out the barrel. The one crab that's below them pulls that other crab down. Okay, is that it? Yep. And that's the problem. It's because we're trying to pull each other down. So I ask you a critical question. Is the natural habitat of the crab a barrel? Mm. Why are you why are you trying to look at and examine the the way and the, the crab adapted to survive while in the barrel? Why are you not examining why the crab is in the barrel in the first place? Why the crab not in the sea? The crab the crab natural habitat. And there's a whole bunch of barrels that is around where I got a barrel, this person's got a barrel, this person's got a barrel, and that's what the Panthers was trying to tell people, was Mm -hmm. that we got all these barrels that you trying to say my oppression versus your oppression, and this and that, and you trying to crab pulling down, but y'all not examining why are you in a barrel as a crab? Jeff, I'm not no barrel. Jeff, you just hit us with one. I'm, I'm gonna say you hit me with one. I wasn't died, man. That's that's a real, that's a real thought process, and it's and it's real. It's a hundred percent real. It's a hundred percent. That's where we always pointed that, and I always hear that when it comes to black on black crime, and I'm like, brother, our place is not no barrel. Our yeah. place is that's not our natural habitat. So yes. There are, that's why I'm a part of SOB, Student African American Brotherhood, mm-hmm. where we go and mentor young men of color, all kind of color, but it is Student African American Brotherhood. So it has a foundation of, our, Dr. Tyrone Bledsoe has a, a foundation of to lift men of color, black men, to show how to be successful through college. It starts, we got it all the way from middle school all the way up to college, but also how to heal those traumas, to heal those traumas. Because when I went there, I was mad at my father. I didn't understand where I fit in. I I knew how to be a leader. And shout out to Deja. I love you, Queen, because if it wasn't for you advocating for me to go to the men of color 
conference in Arizona. I would never have been connected with this and I would have never been healed to the level that I was. So I appreciate you, Quinn. I want to shout you out right now. But I got there and I was dealing with all these things and I was dealing with how to combat racism. And I found a place where for the first time in my life, I cried on a man's shoulder. Mm. I cried. I let it for days, for days when things would come up because we would dive so deep. There was Ernesto, my brother Ernesto, he had a he had a seminar within the sim within the whole entire organization because we break off into groups and everything and dive deeper. And he had he had us write like write a letter to who you need to forgive in your life to move forward, to be a healthy individual who you can get rid of that poison of hate. And I wrote a letter to my dad and I was like, I'm going to release this because <laughs> now, now that I've gone through and learned why you weren't able to, you were never taught love in that mm -hmm. way. You were taught survival. Yeah. And I learned that I had to go back and study my history to figure out that my dad comes up in the crack epidemic. My dad comes up in all of these oppressive and, and he got mixed into mass incarceration and being indoctrinated into that. And so his mindset, when he would come home, I used to find it so crazy because he would come home, he would have his bed and he would have his nightstand. But literally you could tell he put all his clothes like he was still in jail. Wow. His underwear, his socks, and you'll and his shirts, and you could tell he fitted, even though you had all this room to put your stuff in, like you could hang it up and stuff like that. He still put his clothes like he was in a little cell, and that's how he lived. Yeah. And I had to learn that. So then when I wrote that letter, I was like, I learned this, and I I know that I can't harbor this anymore because it's not fair to you and it's not fair to me. But I thank you for picking my mom, my queen, for being my mother, because she was the one who really helped me through this to be the man that I am today. And yeah. I appreciate that, that you did that. I appreciate that. But I had to write that letter and I'm sobbing, I'm bawling, I'm bawling. And I'm, I'm just bawling all day long. But that was the first time that I ever got to heal. Yeah. I ever got to just let that out. And now when I go to these conferences and and there was one time where now now I'm more of a mentor. You know what I'm saying? I still cry because there's still things, you know what I'm saying, that yeah. you know, this this plight get heavy. It, this whole week, man, I had to have a conversation with my daughter about what's everything that's going on. And after I just I went into the bathroom and I just I broke down. Like yeah. it just it was heavy trying to and then trying to show her like what's going on and everything like that. It got heavy, so I broke down. But at this point, when I go there, I try to be more of heal people, heal people, hurt yeah. people, hurt mm -hmm. people. So I go there and there was one time where a brother's talking about his, you know, his his mix with his dad and everything that's going on. And he starts crying. And he and he says on the microphone, I'm sorry that I'm crying like a baby right now. And I said, no, 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 brother, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there, right there. You are not crying like a baby. You are crying like a man looking to heal. Mm -hmm. That's speak life over what you're doing. Yeah. Speak intention. You're not crying like no baby. 
I have a son as a baby. A lot of times when he's crying, it ain't for no reason. <laughs> you, you, you got a baby holding the knife, trying to bite the knife, and you take the knife from him, he's going to cry. Yeah. And you're like, why are you crying? You got an extension cord. They got it plugged in. They try to put it in their mouth, about to get electrocuted. You mm. take it away. They crying. Why are you crying for? What you crying about? What you crying? You don't know what you're crying about. But in that moment, that man was not crying because no random reason. Yeah. He was crying because he was finally healing. Mm-hmm. And that's the conversations we gotta have. That's the conversation. That's the space that we gotta create. Is yeah. that space of healing where it's okay to cry, man. It's good. It's you're a human. This shit, this this fight, this plight, it get heavy. Yeah. But if if that means you cry, but your brothers are there to uplift you, they'll be like, when we go to these conferences, it's all across the country. We, we our last ones were in Detroit, Atlanta. It's all across the country, and it's a room full of a good like five hundred black and brown men oh. suited up because we we bring a little different flavor to it too. <laughs> we get to dress down. Don't don't get me wrong. It ain't all about respectability, politics, and all that. We get mm-hmm. to dress down and all that. But we also, for the first time, some men never flew in their life. They get to fly to the conference. Some men never even fathom tying a tie or wearing a suit. So it's on. So we have a whole entire like structure where I know how to tie a tie. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to tie a tie. It's not on anybody else to teach you. It's on me to take up that mantle to teach you for that brotherhood. Yeah, and brotherhood. No respectability, politics, or nothing like that. It's just allowing you to see yourself in a different lens than what somebody. And if, I, I love, I love suits and everything like that. But yeah. I also love dressing in. You know what I'm saying? What I dress in. Yeah. I love my black hoodies. I and I and I wear those there. I wear my Malcolm stuff. I wear all of that. But at the same time, I want to introduce you to something that people around you and what the statistics will tell you you would never be able to do or never be able to walk in i want to give you an introduction to what it's going to feel like when you finally do yeah nah that's 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 real man that's that's an amazing space i'm gonna definitely have to get that information from you and everything um and then what's the name of it again just if people listen to this are interested student african-american brotherhood dr tyrone bledsoe all is brian heat Ernesto, all all of them. There, there's. It's an organization that has organizations connected to it. That it, it's beautiful. It, it's yeah. it's an amazing space to be in. I have brothers right now that, man, talking about suicide. There, yeah. There's conversations on suicide. One brother I know. It's not my space to name him and, you know, tell his story. So I'll just tell his story without putting a name to it. He talking about right before the conference, he was like, I shouldn't be here. To be honest, I had a gun to my head, pulled the trigger and the, and the gun didn't go off. Wow. And that's the only reason why I'm here. And we have those conversations. We mm-hmm. have healing conversations because this life in general gets heavy. But then when you a black and brown man, it's a whole extra yeah. layer that people don't understand and can't fathom. And it's not because they can't do it. It's because a lot of times they don't. Yeah. 
No, it's 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 difficult. It's a lot to deal with. So, man, as as we get ready to close this out and wrap this up, man, um, definitely want to appreciate you and thank you for coming on and and lending your voice and your experience. Um, I want to get opportunity to share um, one like your business and everything and where you're working at. If people are interested in you know getting some real estate and finding some property and getting that land and building that generational wealth, and then just any advice um, for anybody out there right now? Of course. So you can find me on Instagram, JP underscore real estate 18. Um, I also have a Facebook um, business page, Jeff Phillips Real Estate. Um, if you want to get into real estate, come talk to me, especially if you're a man of color and you and that's that's something you never thought about. If you want to definitely buy a house and everything like that and buy property, we can talk about that. I'm with Infinity Investments. We do put on community events before this whole COVID was happening. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every month, we are putting on community events in Oakland on the grassroots level of informing the community on 1031 exchanges and and the, the how to buy, how to sell, how to make sure to uh, insulate your yourself to where you can leave generational wealth. Um, that would be one way to reach me. But also, if you just want to have a conversation on where you fit in this whole entire space, if you want to come from a place where you don't understand and you can't understand the riots and the looting and Black Lives Matter and all that, but you're willing to at least engage in that conversation, I can't say that to go to every Black person because some <laughs> Black people are tired. And I empathize and I understand. Yes. But... If you're willing to come to me with a conversation of like, can I understand this? And you're willing to hear it out. Even if you have combat things that you're going to say back and forth with your dogmas you believe, talk to me. I'll, I'll have the conversation. But something that I would leave to people is get involved in these uncomfortable conversations. Get involved in education. Educate yourself right now. That's the biggest thing. Black, white, no matter what. My brother, he's just coming into his consciousness. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to go out to a rally and everything. And I'm like, it's good. But I was like, hey, man, the COVID, you know what I'm saying? Be, be cool. But also, how mu- do you know the ballot or the bullet? Do you know Fred Hampton's speeches? Do you know Huey P's speeches? Mm-hmm. Do you know these things? Do you know Asada? Do you know Angela Davis? Do you know Fannie Lou Hamer? Do you know these things? I, not really. Then the education piece is the biggest piece for you right now. Yeah. Do the educational part right now, even if it's going to make you uncomfortable. And also, do not let nobody tell you social media is not advocation. You know, that's, that's, that, that is crazy to me. Do not let nobody tell you that you're speaking up on social media because on average, Facebook allows you like 5,000 friends, right? Most people probably have about 500 to 5,000 connections on there. Mm-hmm. When do you get to speak on social justice where 500 to 5,000 people could potentially see your posts? Yeah. And, and, and everybody ain't made for the front lines and all that. That's perfectly fine. Just like in the military, you got people that don't go out right onto the front lines and, and get right in there. 
they be on the backhand fixing the planes and doing these other things. That's the same thing within the struggle. But at least they're there. At least they're taking action. So that's one thing I want to leave with people because I see so many people, especially the all lives matter type people, when you're combating them on their comments and you causing cognitive dissonance, that they'll try to just scapegoat you off like, well, what are you doing? Well, -hmm. well, what you don't got to be Jeff that's in all these organizations and doing all these things. I want to invite you to those spaces and I hope like we talked about keeping the energy that you get there and that you do allow yourself to get uncomfortable to go take a black history class that you go and you go to these spaces. You definitely need to do that to show that you are a true ally and you want to go ahead and move forward with us. But if right now in this space, the thing you can do is voice your voice on social media and cause all your people that usually would be group thinking cognitive dissonance, you doing what's for the people you doing what you supposed to. So that's the biggest thing is the educational part. And people love to discredit people talking on social media. Social media is our platform for change. Yeah. In no other generation have they had social media. And if they did, that is one route that they would have taken to make sure that their voices were heard. So you need to speak up on there. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's real, man. The thing I would say with the social media piece is, Anybody who's saying social media isn't a platform to use, tell me why these companies are using it. So that that knocked that out the way. And going back to the educational piece on what you tied on, make sure, especially for this stuff, one, know that this is education you need to do for your life. This isn't a, a Starbucks espresso shot of education. Like it's, it's not a quick thing. But two, everybody loves food. Everybody loves food. I don't care, even if you like the most blandest food in the world. People who like food. You trust the most from the food when that food has an origin and it's connected directly to the people with that origin. When people like real Mexican food, real El Salvadorian food, real Ethiopian food, real soul food, who do you imagine that the chefs are? Yep. Mm-hmm. And who do you really trust who the chefs are? So that's what you have to do the same with education, with people and their culture. Yep. You got to get the real untapped resource. And hopefully this podcast and the other ones you listen to can help with that. But you got to continue to do that. You want to get it from the real, real yep. source. Now, there's some anomalies where other people from... I've I've been in Arizona before and had Chinese food from a, a Mexican uh, base ran people and it was amazing food. So so that stuff is there. Yep. But to get that real real source of of education and everything, you need it from the real source. Exactly, especially because within this plight, there's been so many deliberate attacks to discredit all of our leaders and all of our movements. Mm-hmm. So when you look up information, you gotta be careful. It's not coming from the Quinto Pro basis. And it's not coming from, cause you can go look up Quinto Pro, the FBI or the CIA gonna say, we don't believe this no more. This is not what we stand for no more. But at this time, this is what we believe. And you'll see it says, not to allow a black Messiah to rise and not allow unification in the black 
community. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they discredit those by putting out propaganda. So when you go look up that information, just like you're talking about the food, there may be something that someone of that origin knows don't use that root because if you use that root, it's going to change this because they lived it. Whereas yeah. somebody that just, that's still passing you some good food. Cause believe me, there's some brothers and sisters that come from all walks of life that can engage you on civil rights and on everything. But that person that lived that food, they may tell you like, there's just this one off thing. And that person that hasn't lived that, that experience, they, it's not ignorant. It's not anything like that. They just didn't know because yeah. their grandma and their grandma's grandma and their grandma's grandma's grandma didn't tell them, Hey baby, when you, when you cook that, don't cook it with that. Don't do <laughs> that. Because by the time it gets to this, it's going to look completely different. Yeah. So exactly what you're saying, make sure the educational part is from a genuine source. Make sure you're tapping in to people that will provide you with the quality information. It's mm -hmm. not about quantity amount of information right. right now. It's about the quality of the information. Yeah. So again, brother Jeff, I really appreciate you, man. I love you, bro. Um, brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for this platform. I appreciate you for taking this step. It's, it's uncomfortable to get in front of a camera at times. It's, but when you take this step and you, you tap in with the community at the grassroots level, and, and I've known you for years, so I know where your heart's at. I know the foundation you stand on as a man. I, I thank you. Thank you for being in this space and providing this to people. I love you, brother, for real. Likewise, man. I truly appreciate it, man. So love you and thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Dig Undug. I really hope you got something out of this. And if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at digundug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments. And with that, keep digging, y'all. Peace out.